630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's trying to center. Quick shot score. Connor McDavid, top right corner. And Edmonton has its first lead of the night. 2-1. to one. My goodness, it's Jack Michaels play-by-play. That can only mean one thing. Jack Michaels is on the telephone, and he wants to be on Inside Sports. And we're going to let him do it. Jack, welcome back to the show, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate the fact your people got with my people, and we came to a resolution that allowed me to appear on this program again. <laughs> what, 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 there was never a problem with you being on the program. Everything's fine. Well, look, I again, I, I don't want to you know question the tactics negotiating-wise of – you know, Malcolm and Mary or whatever it was. But uh, bottom line is, is your people are all related to you. So I've got to deal with the whole clan. You're referencing my, my parents, of course, who you mistakenly named Malcolm and Judy. It is, of course, uh, Bob and Louise. And they sent you a birthday card. They Even did. though you got their names wrong, they sent you a birthday card in the old-fashioned mail. They did. I, I was very appreciative of that. Uh, how is the compound holding up, by the way? You, do, do, does everyone know that you've got a Wilkins family compound? No, that's, uh, no that's, uh, people don't need to worry about that. But the, the family's, uh, the family's the doing fine. You and the Corleones. The, fam- the, the family's uh, doing, doing fine. My parents are uh, watching uh, Oilers hockey games and uh, listening to 6.30 Ched, and uh, mom's doing a lot of cooking, so everybody's fine. Rocket's doing fine, so er- everything's good. in some regard. What's that? I hope you're contributing in some regard. You still have a role. Yes, I've, don't worry. I'm contributing a lot. I, I made a nice, uh, I made a nice dinner on on Sunday night, and I'm I'm helping as as much as I, I'm able. So every everything's fine here. Thank you for asking, Jack. That's that's. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're checking in on uh, on my family's. Uh, I just want to make. I just want to make sure you're a contributor. You're. There's no room for passengers. No, no, I'm no passenger. I'm, I'm giving my 110%. Absolutely, Jack. Uh, what, what's, uh, what's your schedule? Are you on Ched later this week? What's going on? I'm on Ched Friday and Saturday. So you got a twin bill with me over the weekend, the home and home against Calgary. So we'll be at the 630 Ched compound, I believe, on Friday and then back at uh, Rogers Place Saturday. Okay, cool. Well, uh, you know, I'm pretty lucky because I get to work with you and Cam Moon, both friends and both excellent broadcasters. So it's a, how it's long a, you and how long do you and Cam go back? Do you go as far back with Cam as Stoff does? Uh, no, I mean certainly since I started hosting, uh, you know, Cam has been someone who would come on the show. Even before I was the full-time host, he's someone I talked to occasionally. So, yeah, nine, nine or ten years, I suppose. So, no, I wouldn't have known him as long as Bob. Yeah, he's he's aged better than both of you. It should be noted. <laughs> Kev, Kev is, yes, he's, he's well very good. He's well-preserved, is he not? That he's a highly energetic individual as well. I mean, your energy level uh, at times can be... Yes, and I mean, you definitely when you're on air, you get into that groove. But Cam starts getting into that groove, I think. Like he's probably already in the groove for tomorrow's game 
right now. Like, I bet you if we got him on the line, it would be game day energy from Cam right now. I feel like you pace yourself and build a little more, whereas Cam's just always up. I have a feeling Cam is cranking the coffee at around 5.30 a.m. He's an eight cups per day guy. I'll have to ask him about that. I don't know for sure. I don't, I don't know, because you know, I, I think he keeps it relative. And, and if I'm guessing, again, just looking at him, it's it's almost as though he was encased in something at a relatively young age and, and has held up over time, <laughs> you know? He was, yes, he was preserved. Maybe, he, maybe he was in carbonite. Smothered in that pearl cream. Remember when they used to advertise that in the mid-'80s? Maybe someone just, you know, got a big dollop and just, smothered a minute because he's very well preserved but uh you know he's a guy i'll tell you what reed uh i can't think of a better fit in our group than cam because you're exactly right he's bubbly he's energetic he picks you up when you're you know kind of in a lull and i think he brings tremendous energy to our team and uh in all seriousness i i know you and bob have known him longer than I have, but all the good things you've said about him uh, over the years for once have been accurate. Usually I take things with a grain of salt from either your stuff, but you're bang on with this guy. Yes, well, thank you. I'm glad I, I could do something to earn a, a little bit of trust. Now, do you uh, do you listen to other, like, okay, when you, when you listen to another play-by-play guy, do, do, is it different for you than the average fan? listening i mean do you listen oh, sure. and, I'm, and... I'm i'm picking up tendencies sure i mean yeah. you, you just can't help it i mean i i i know guys tendencies i know their styles i know you know how they how they kind of vacillate you know during the game uh, absolutely you can't help but uh you can't help but sit there and judge i mean it's your profession right so i you know when i listen to other guys i absolutely assess for sure all right. Jack Michaels joining us on the show. Uh, yeah, last night. Reed, I'm, a, I'm, ex- I'm nothing if not judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not. But, I, but no, seriousness, though, you, you don't always do that judgmentally. I, I mean, I think it's good to. No, I'm, almost, things. Uh, I'm judgmental in almost every aspect. You, okay. Well, that, that's <laughs> good. To, we, we got that clarified. It's it's complete judgment from Jack. Jack's judgment. That should be a show here on 630 Chet. Hear well, he's, going, he's going nuts. Yeah. No, I'm on with you. What's what's Roger's deal? How does How is he tolerating the cold? Uh, Roger, unfortunately, has been victimized by another member of my household who insists when it gets down to minus 20 and below uh, in dressing them in boots and a sweater. So I find it highly emasculating. I'm not pleased with it, and I will not appear in any photos alongside Roger when dressed as such. Oh, really? See, that's that's normal here. Uh, or, you know, Rocket and uh, obviously dogs we've had know, in the past. I you have little dogs. See, I have a yes, real dog. they are like, small. Real... What's that? Yeah, my dogs are small dogs. Yeah, I have a real, like, dog. Like, I have a, you know, an 80-pound dog. You have... Well, small dogs you know, are real dogs, too. Well, but you're kind of... Yours are, you know, they're gentle. I mean, they're they're not... 
I wouldn't say they're full-fledged <laughs> members of the dog family. They're kind yes, of stuff. First of all, they are. That's insulting to smaller dogs. And Rocket is anything but gentle. He may be the most obnoxious dog uh, we've ever owned. Now, Chupka, who has passed, would, would, was very gentle, yes. I, I, I just have, I have an issue with small dogs. I'm not saying they're not cute and everything, but I think there should be a different name for them than just small this, dogs. See, this is, ama- this is amazing. You, you're like, you actually have an issue with small dogs as opposed to just loving dogs. Hey, look, I'll tell you what. I prefer small dogs over cats. Does that make you feel any better? Well, of course, that's not even a debate. Like dogs yeah. over cats we, all we day both long. Agree that, we both agree that cats are not – I don't I, – I feel slightly creeped out by cats. I, I'm not – I've never <laughs> been a cat guy. I think also they're strangely – you know, cats, you get the uh, – you know, I have, a, I have a cousin who has a cat, and she's actually had cat scratch fever, if you can believe that. I believe they're – yeah, cats are – they're too closely related to cougars and things that can like hurt you with some sort of weird situations. I, so I, I prefer small dogs, but I, I do think there should be a different name for a small dog. And is, and Roger, see, here's here's my thing. I prefer small dogs, especially as house dogs. I mean, when we lived north of Evansburg, in uh, when we called it the farm, it wasn't a farm, but we had you know 160 acres and a big yard, so we had outdoor dogs that were big dogs. Where you grew up but, as, as north of Evansburg, I really do enjoy that. Sounds, well, that's where I that's where I did grow up. It was north of Evansburg. No, uh, I know, but, but I just love the fact it makes it it makes Evansburg sound like you know pittsburgh i mean i like how you describe it it still has directions small towns still have directional orientation i still like it i love it i love i love north of evansburg it's 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 one of the things that i find very endearing about you reed i grew up in a small town but i gotta separate it because if if i said like for people who live out there if i said i grew up east of evansburg then they would start saying like oh well like how close to Wildwood were you? Were you closer to Wildwood or close to Evansburg? But if I say north of Evansburg, you know, then they know I obviously wasn't up really close to like Merithorpe or Rochford Bridge or something like that. But that your I was mailing probably... address was Evansburg. Is that correct? Yes, that's what I'm. Yeah, you had to go to the post office to get your mail. You didn't get mail delivery north of Evansburg. You, but you went to the you went to the post office. Yeah, we had box two hundred six. That was our box. So it was was it along the side of a road, or would you actually enter a? No, building? it was in town. It was a post office in the town. We oh, like, got okay. our mail. You, it was a building, and then you would enter the building and get your mail. Yes, with a key and open it up. Open up the little door, the little metal door, and pull your mail out. Right, I like you've, that. You've, 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 that you're setup. aware of this. You're aware of this scenario, aren't you? Of getting your well, mail from a post office. Well, days gone by at my dad's university they actually had their own post office in there and and it was a beautiful room and i remember my dad would go in and there was a small little box and he had a key and he would get his he would get his mail that way i still remember that very well it was a really cool room too i mean it was probably 100 years old at the time Oh, that is neat. That is neat. Uh, yeah. jack michaels is on the show uh one texter says this show has officially gone to the dogs uh Dave Leppard says uh, Cam Moon is awesome. I like getting his perspective as a former WHL goalie. 
Dave goes on to say, but Jack is a radio hero. My goodness. You really got a fan club. Well, I, I appreciate that. But like I said, I, I, I meant what I said about Cam. He's a perfect compliment. Oh, he's awesome. Team. It's a pleasure being around him. And he does a hell of a job on the air. I mean, it's it speaks, you know, it really speaks to the depth of talent in this province that, you know, with a week to spare, we were able to get a guy with a quarter century experience. I mean, that's that's just awesome. Uh, you know, from from Edmonton, from right uh, right down the road, and uh, again, I think Cam's doing a fabulous job. And this is not—I've not been paid uh, for this, not yet. Anyways, I will be asking Cam for compensation tomorrow. <laughs> All right, uh, what, what are, give me some keys for the game tomorrow, since we should talk a little bit of hockey here. Well, I, what I'll be interested to see, first of all, is, you know, is how Mike Smith bounces back. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think three of the four goals, not really his issue last night. I thought the third one he's got to have. Uh, so that's that's number one. I, look, it's almost always about the goaltender, right? I, you know, when the Oilers get goaltending, they're a premier team in the league. When they don't, they're average. At, at, at best when they don't get goaltending they're giving up you know five six a game i mean they they do tend to give up as many chances so when you when you have premier goaltending you're you're going and that goes for any team in the league it's not just the oilers now the Oilers are different in in terms of sometimes they can outscore their mistakes you know they can beat an ottawa eight five uh, Ottawa is not going to win games where they give up five, but you know what? Edmonton's got to buckle down here. I think, uh, I think the biggest thing is uh, I'll be curious to see if there's a switch and I'm, I'm saying a big, if I think Dave Tippett is reluctant to do it because I think he's found something in Ennis, Archibald and Kara, but if he decides to put Ennis in the top six or give Kahuna stay of execution and give him a chance to solidify his role in that top six, that's one of the decisions I'll be looking forward to see, you know, how, how Dave Tippett approaches that situation. That's, that's the biggest thing for me because I really thought, I wanted to see that how that third line kind of rode out. They were playing so well, uh, and I know Ennis has really picked up his game, but it is a risk when you found the line to go ahead and, and, and break it up. Uh, we've talked about that ad nauseum with respect to Nugent Hopkins' dry sidle and Yamamoto, and I think the addition of Yesapuliarvi alongside McDavid and Nugent Hopkins largely has kind of silenced that. I, I haven't heard that as much this year. And the biggest thing is because the chances that are being generated, Nugent Hopkins finally got a couple of go last night, the second of which was just a bullet and a perfectly placed pass from Yesapuliarvi. I think that line has shown a lot of chemistry, but it's, it's that middle six, which I – I continue to kind of focus on Reed is, is really kind of the game breaking type aspect. Cause if the Oilers find a third line, they're going to be awfully difficult to deal with. All right, Jack, we appreciate it, buddy. Hope things are good out there. East of Edmonton. Take care. <laughs> well done, Reed. I invite you to join our compound at any time. All right. That is Jack Michaels play by place for the Oilers on Sportsnet and on 630 Chad, depending on the night. I made a huge error in that conversation, thanks to a couple of people correcting me. Uh, and obviously, I do know better, but in the, uh, the, the fury of that conversation with Jack, yes, Wildwood is west of Evansburg, not east of Evansburg. Wildwood is 
west of Evansburg, and I do know that, and I and I made a mistake while talking to Jack. So the G, uh, the geography is indeed corrected. It's seven twenty. Back in a couple of minutes on Inside Sports. tonight brian texting in he says i'm 46 and used to get our mail at a post office in the small town i grew up in box 33 rolling hills i can't remember last week but i can remember that from 26 years ago thank you for that brian we're the same age by the way they still they still have post offices in small towns don't they i mean they still have post offices in edmonton i know the main post office is gone but there still are post offices like if you live in a small town, don't you still, or if you live in a rural area near a small town, don't you have to still go into the town to a post office to get your mail? I had just assumed so. It has been a long time since I lived north of Evansburg, but I, I thought I, I, there's not like mail delivery out there to every rural area and farm and ranch, is there? There can't be. There must There must be post offices still everywhere. I would hope. Maybe well, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe someone in Evansburg can tell me. 780-496-0063. Washington leading the Penguins with about four and a half minutes left in the third. 2-0 Islanders leading the Sabres in the final minute of the third. And about eight minutes left. Devils lead the Rangers 3-2. Avalanche and Golden Knights coming up later, as are the Wild and the Kings. Somebody wrote in, yes, still the case. I'm happy to hear that. That is good. Okay. Oh, now everybody's telling me about post offices. Okay, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Box 206, Evansburg. That was that was our uh, post office box for the longest time. We're going to visit with uh, Sean Fitzgerald, which could be uh, an, an equally diverse comp- uh, conversation as the one we just had with Jack coming up on Inside Sports. All right, Oilers and Jets tomorrow on this very radio station. The face-off show will be at 6. The game broadcast will start at 8. Bob Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2 as the Oilers will try to bounce back from last night's 6-5 loss. They are now 1-2 and two against the Jets this season. One of the things that I, I hear from some of you at, at times over the last couple weeks is, well, Great, the Oilers can only beat Ottawa. Oh, well, this is their record if you take out the Ottawa games. I get it. Ottawa hasn't won a lot of games. The Oilers beat them four times, and the Oilers are barely above 500. I get it. But if you're going to take out the Oilers' wins or record against Ottawa, you have to do that for every team in the division. So if you take out Winnipeg's record against Ottawa, uh, they go down to 4-4-1. Four, four, and one from eight, five, and two. Vancouver 
is 3-0 against Ottawa. They're 4-11-1 in games not against Ottawa. Now, the Oilers' record not against Ottawa isn't great. It's 5-8. and eight. Um, You know, Toronto is 1-1-1 against Ottawa. They still have a good record either way. Montreal's 1-1 against Ottawa. They still have a good record either way. But, you know, if you think... Here, here's the thing. If, if your argument is that uh, Ottawa, you know, wins against Ottawa don't really count and that it's inflating records, then you would therefore have to believe that the Calgary Flames must be the best team in the North Division because they have not played Ottawa and they have gone 8-6-1 and one without playing Ottawa at all. So if your argument is Ottawa is going to lose every game the rest of the season, that means you think Calgary is going to finish first because they still have nine wins coming up already in the bank. So, you know, it's just... I get it, but if you, if you want to take Edmonton's wins against Ottawa out of the equation, you, you have to do that for every team, and that significantly affects Winnipeg and Vancouver's record as well. Just a little reminder. And Ottawa does win some games, as we found out last night. Sean Fitzgerald joins us from the Athletic Canada. He's a senior columnist there, and uh, he lives in the uh, great city of Toronto, which is psychologically broken after last night, brushing it off, or what? What's going on, Sean? You know, listening to your preamble there, and it was a lovely preamble, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Um, it sounds like when you're talking about that, it sounds a lot like, you know, when people are talking the Canadian Football League, and there's always that that one team that's just awful, and you play them a couple times and that inflates your record. Like, oh, you know, the Riders in the 80s were terrible. You, wins over the Riders don't count because it's only an 8-19 league, and now we're only in a, a 17 North Division. So I guess... I guess Ottawa is now like the 1980s Saskatchewan Rough Riders or the, the 1990s Ottawa Rough Riders. Pick a Rough Riders case. But it, it sounds awfully similar. Well, that's, that's an interesting way to put it. And and my argument is, like I said, I get it. And, and you can say that. And, and again, I think then if that's your argument, then you must think Calgary's pretty good. But also the argument is, if you really think Ottawa is that bad, you darn well better beat them. And I hey, I covered some uh, You may remember this, Sean. Uh, I covered some Oilers teams that weren't very good. And I covered what? some Oilers teams that were 28th, 29th, 30th in the NHL. And they'd be playing another team that was in the bottom three or four. And you'd think, maybe this is the night for the Oilers. And it's like, no, they still lost. They're they're 28th and they just lost to the 29th place team. They're going to be 29th themselves now soon. So I don't think I don't think you should apologize for beating teams you're supposed to beat. That's That's a big part of pro sports, quite frankly. yeah no absolutely and like so much of this is still so strange that i I think you know the normal traditional narratives i mean yeah ottawa's not a really good hockey team but a lot of traditional narratives are also kind of out the window you know the notion of home ice and being lifted in home ice and in toronto you know you toronto and ottawa you usually have this you know the battle of ontario which is our contrived eastern version of the battle of alberta um but you don't have the crowd in there so you know for for home games for road games you don't have that lift you don't have that boost you have to recreate your own energy so I think that does create a lot of variables, um, not to make excuses for anything that may or may not happen, but I think that can create some variables too. That, that some nights it can maybe potentially be almost literally evolved into sleep against a, a weaker opponent. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, and perhaps uh, that's what happened to Toronto after 39 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know you're a busy guy, uh, but certainly you've you've seen the. The, the reaction, how is it in, in Leafs Nation? Is it like, oh, my God, we've seen too much of this in the past 15 years? Or is it like, okay, look, it's, it's one game. you got to respect Ottawa. Let's get over it. 
couple things. Uh, it's not been 15 years. It's been nigh on five decades well, since anybody's seen anything worth celebrating in the city. So, yeah, no, it's been particularly acute over the last 15 years with some pretty terrible hockey. I mean, not enough to win, like, back-to-back-to-back, you know, first overall draft lottery picks, but but pretty bad. Um so, yeah, I think nobody's really super happy about that. But, you know, generally, I mean, take a look at where Toronto's positioned right now. You know, they've gotten off to a really strong start, despite some hiccups here and there. You know, goaltending off the start. Uh, Freddie Anderson, notoriously slow starter, but that settled in. And they're doing this in spite of a couple of key injuries. That You know, they went out and they got Joe Thornton, and he's, he'd been out for a while. And, you know, Nick Robertson, who they've been hoping to maybe add some pop potentially to the, the bottom six, um, he'd be the, the former second round draft pick who you know was born you know a week after the cutoff so he, he might have been a first round draft pick this past year but they got him early um he's been out with a knee injury so you know they've been doing this with a couple of bumps and bruises um and i think that i don't want to say ever that a toronto fan base is going to be rational but it feels like this one's been as rationalized as possible <laughs> Well, I'm not sure if, if you can rely on any fan base to be rational. That's why fan is short for fanatic. But yeah, I think that's that's a that's a fair explanation. And I, th- I mean, three crazy games in the North last night. That one, Edmonton and Winnipeg uh, filled the net, and then Calgary allows a shorthanded goal late in the third period, and then wins the game in overtime on the same power play. So, I mean, the games are the games are fun, and I'm not sure if uh, like I was talking to Kelly Rudy earlier. He thinks that eventually teams are going to be able to consistently lock it down. Uh, we'll see. And, and I think that's why when we talked about the Canadian division before the season, a, a lot of us said it'll probably be pretty competitive and perhaps fairly close in the end because nobody stands out as a team capable of defensive wizardry. Except maybe no, Montreal yeah. could do it in the end, but I, I don't know. I mean, every team has its has its warts, right? And that's what makes this really compelling on top of the regional um, sort of rivalries. I mean, it's been suggested and argued that, you know, this could potentially become a feature rather than a bug, that, you know, why not make this a permanent thing? Um, but I, I wonder, too, if... I mean, a certain burnout at a certain level when you're facing each other, you know, nigh on a dozen times over the course of the season, whether or not that might have maybe the opposite effect. We just kind of get tired of each other. Like, like that's a lot. I mean, we joked about the CFL, but, you know, the Argos still only have to face the Lions like twice a year. So you can only get so sick of somebody over two meetings. But when we're talking the volume of meetings that you're going to get, I don't know if we can really predict what we're going to be seeing by the end because we don't see this. This isn't baseball. Like, we're not used to three-game sets. So what will that mean when it comes up to playoffs? I'm not sure. I mean, you'd you'd like to think that potentially this could add to some animosity. And and I don't know how you lock that down when that kind of emotion gets into play, right? Like, you know, the best Calgary-Edmonton games that people see are the ones where emotions are running high. And that's where a lot of breakdowns can happen. It's, It's where it becomes really entertaining for fans. And it's where coaches lose their hair or their dark hair turns gray. Right. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, Tip last night. Like, I had this image of him, like, actually ripping chunks of hair out of his head as his uh, team gave up gave up goal after goal. But anyway. Uh, not for us, but not great for those guys, right? And that's kind of the point. And that's what we forget about this hockey thing sometimes is that what coaches like isn't necessarily what we like. And ultimately, we get to pay the bills. All right, uh, Sean Fitzgerald joining us from the Athletic Canada tonight on uh, on Inside Sports. Who we always enjoy just talking about uh, whatever with um, <laughs> the Canadian Football League. You you remain a uh, staunch 
um, I guess, uh, I don't know what to call you, a supporter and a believer in the league as I am. We realize this is massively challenging. Like, are you optimistic they're going to play if they don't play a full season or any season, if it's worst-case scenario in 2021? Uh, is it, could it be? I don't want to finish that sentence. I'll just kind of... Yeah. No, I think... I think this is going to be a really interesting time. I mean, that's that's a, a gross understatement, and a, I should have picked a better word. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of organizations that are kind of nervous that, you know, for a long time, and I'm talking from youth sports all the way up, that there has been an assumption that, okay, look, by, by summer 2021, we should have this thing, like the numbers should be low, the vaccinations should be rolled out, life should be returning to normal. But no, like... You know, here in Ontario, uh, the numbers are low, but, you know, things are reopening as they have been in Alberta. And now we're talking about these, you know, they call them variants of concern. Um, If one of these things takes hold, the modeling suggests that we'd be in for what a couple of epidemiologists have referred to as a brisk or robust third wave in April or May, March, April, May, really. Um, So what that means is... um, you know, that wave, if it peaks, we're starting to learn how long it takes to come down the other side of that peak. You start rolling into a lot of youth soccer seasons, youth baseball seasons, and eventually a Canadian football league season where, you know, we're still potentially in this wave. And with this wave might come regional lockdowns. And with regional lockdowns might come restrictions on activity. To say nothing of the fact that that almost certainly means that no Canadian football league team would be allowed really to play in front of fans with this thing still in the air. And, you know, if we're really in a position in Canada where we're going to be availed of a vaccine by September, I mean, that's that's usually the halfway point of a CFL season. So, you know, whereas some other leagues might have the luxury of playing a little bit later, I don't think you're going to be playing regular season CFL games into December in Edmonton or Calgary or Hamilton. So I really do have a lot of questions and potentially concerns about what this might mean for the CFL because, as we discussed all last year, they need to play in front of fans. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And it's, but I mean, we got to start talking about it. It's it's getting into the second half of, of February, and they want to have training camps and preseason in May. So yeah, I don't I don't think it's too early to to consider it. Yeah, uh, I mean, f- training camps and preseason are one thing, but I mean, the real thing, and not to cut you off, but like, you know, <laughs> how and, and this is the the greatest joke, you know, that's been told around Toronto is the safest place to ride out a pandemic is at an Argos game at BMO Field. Um, but like for other places where they have fans in the stands, how do you have that safely? I don't know how you can do that before a vaccine and get epidemiologists in Canada to sign off on that. Yeah, that's a fair point for sure. Okay, on a much lighter note, I had my buddy Jack Michaels, our Oilers play-by-play voice on the show in the last half hour. Somehow we started talking about uh, mail delivery. Now, I don't know if you have always been an urban guy, but have you ever had a post office box? Like to get I your mail, not. you had to go. Oh, real? That's sad. I have not. I have not yet run a shell company for any nefarious <laughs> reasons. I assume that's why you'd have one. I don't know. Well, no, because I lived. Uh, I grew up uh, three miles north of a town called Evansburg, which is about a hundred kilometers west of Edmonton. And to okay. get your mail, you would go to the post office and go into the post office with your key and open the little door and get get your mail. You did not get mail delivered to your farm or ranch or acreage. <laughs> That's interesting. See, I, I mean, I grew up in suburban Toronto. We always had mail delivered to our house, but I also have family 
in central Ontario run a dairy farm, they still got mail delivered to the box at the end of their street. I guess I guess really? it's a, it's another reason to, to hate people in Ontario. But yeah, I I, I haven't I, I know I've seen them. I've seen the mailboxes, but like I know they exist. I, I just I don't know that I know anybody who's had to go to one. I don't hate people in Ontario. I was born there. I have family there. I don't hate them. I just like to, I just like to troll Leafs fans sometimes on the show. That's Leafs fans fair. and Ryder fans. Leafs fans exist. That's why they exist. They're here to troll. 1967. Uh, you're allowed to troll them. 1967. Uh, what's going? Are you going to write another book? That last one was pretty good. Oh you know? God. Oh, I appreciate oh, that. But yeah, tired. no, I am. Um, Man, I might I might need to take a sabbatical. I'm not just, I'm still not sure I've recovered from that one. My hair hasn't grown back yet. It fell out 20 years ago, but I'm still waiting for it to grow back. The book didn't help. Uh, the book is Before the Lights Go Out by Sean Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald has a hyphen in it. You can probably figure out where. Uh, I, don't, I know the book was been, it's the book's been out 18 months, but I still recommend it. I always like to plug it whenever you come on. Hey, thanks for doing this, uh, buddy. I, I just love uh, chatting with you about a variety of stuff. Enjoy the hockey. I know you're working hard on a lot of stuff. The coverage is always excellent. Uh, I appreciated the um, the one-on-one you had with uh, with Natasha, who was my practicum student much earlier in both of our careers so i think she's going to land on her feet somewhere thanks for checking in tonight buddy hey thanks for having me on as always man that is sean fitzgerald from the athletic canada national columnist and uh an all-around good guy and entertaining and informative which is how we like it here on inside sports i'm going to tell you a little bit about bats in a curling rink when we get back Finals to tell you about from the NHL. Islanders over the Sabres, 3-zip. Capitals take down the Penguins, 3-1. Devils, 5-2 over the Rangers. All road teams winning so far tonight. Still to come, Colorado at Vegas, Minnesota at Los Angeles. In the NBA, the Raptors lead Milwaukee 94-91 after three. I was on the internet today, not often I am on the internet, and I saw this headline, large hibernating bat colony found living in Saskatchewan curling rink. Did anybody see this? Apparently there were a bunch of big brown bats, a species commonly found in North America, discovered in the attic of a curling rink in Unity. And back in the day when I was working in Lloydminster, I went to Unity at least once to cover high school football in the uh, nine-man football league that the Holy Rosary Raiders played in at the time. Within 200 square feet, according to the article, 386 bats were found. And they got somebody in whose job it is to remove bat colonies in Western Canada, who called it one of the top five biggest colonies he's ever encountered. And so some of the bats, unfortunately, passed away as they took them out of the curling rink because of lack of food and stress from moving. And moving is stressful, as we all know. And so 323 bats lived. They had to be weighed, examined, hydrated, and fed mealworms. And some of them have been able to go back into hibernation, and some of them uh, are being uh, stored in temperature-controlled rooms between 5 and 15 Celsius, 
about uh, 75 of them who are still underweight, so therefore they can't go back into hibernation. So this was in a curling rink in Unity, Saskatchewan. Man, uh, there, there are pictures of these things. 386 bats in within 200 square feet. That's not very much. Now, granted, they're, you know, they're not Dracula-sized bats, like they're not human-sized, but uh, yeah, all these bats in a curling rink. That's, uh, that is a strange one. Kellen, there's maybe your next name, the animal noise. See, now you can't, now yeah. see, you're, you've got to, are you, are you overthinking it? Is it too obvious to go to bats where you're already thinking about bats? No. Well, you're thinking, would I guess bats? Because I just talked about bats. Is the suspense is drilling, is building for our next name, the animal. Well, I'll give you a quick answer. No and no. Uh, no, I was not thinking about bats before this. And no, we will not have bats uh, this week on Name the Animal. So there we go. Or whenever we do it next. Okay. Whenever that happens next, whatever. Yeah, we don't, we, we, trust me, we don't plan it too far ahead. Uh, again, the Oilers practice today. Dreisaitl and Barry didn't take part, just getting uh, some rest. Lagason wasn't on the ice after being injured last night, didn't get an update on his injury. McDavid, Nurse, and Nugent Hopkins uh, were told to leave early because they usually uh, play a lot, so they didn't take part in the last uh, drill or two. It was only about a 30- to 40-minute practice today. And it looks like Dominic Cahoon will not be in the top six tomorrow. Tyler Ennis uh, appears to have been promoted. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the uh, second line tomorrow with Yamamoto and Dreisaitl. So just some notes there for more of this practice. Mike Smith was in the home team goal today. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they line up tomorrow for the actual morning skate. Usually, whichever goalie is in the home team net is the starter for the next game. But I tend to pay a little more attention to that when it's actually a game day. So there you go. Tomorrow, the faceoff show will start at six. The game will begin at eight. All the action right here on six thirty. Chet Bob Stoffer as orders now from noon to two tonight. You heard from Sean Fitzgerald. You heard from the one and only Jack Michaels, and uh, you heard from Kelly Rudy as well. Always a lot of fun as we uh, get ready for another Oilers game tomorrow. And there are no bats anywhere in the small office, which would be about 200 square feet from which I am broadcasting this show. Kellen, you ready to rock and roll for tomorrow, buddy? It should be a good one. We got the Jets uh, here in town again. And uh, you know what? I think it'll be a better result. I, I predict a better result. Well, got to get a split for Edmonton here after losing that first one. Okay, you miss anything, sign up for the Inside Sports Podcast. We'll try to get you a canned ham if you do, or just go to the show page on 630ched.com. Adler's next. My name's Reed. Have a great night. 630ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630ched.